Hi everyone, Not So Secret Dad's Business is back and streaming for 2021. I want to thank all the listeners that have listened to the podcast so far. Is without without you, my listeners, I wouldn't have a show. So uh, I'm really excited to be back for another year, and I'm going to do my best to try have a new episode up every week. Join us for a new brand new year, and let's kick it off with episode eight. Hello, welcome to another episode of Not So Secret Dad's Business. Today I have um, a really interesting guy on. Obviously, everybody I talk to on the show are dads. He's also a uh, personal development coach as well. So I'd like to introduce you and invite um, Aaron Young. How are you, mate? Mate, I'm awesome, and I'm I'm very humbled uh, to be to be joining you in doing this. This is a, a brave new world for me, and I'm really looking forward to the opportunity. I don't know if sharing my story and possibly helping some other dads out there see things a little bit differently. Yeah, well, I mean, you've got a really, really unique story. And obviously, I mean, from day to day, it's not going to probably relate to a lot of dads personally, obviously. But, I mean, I think there's a lot of things within your story with with, uh, challenges of parenting and all that that will be able to help other dads there. So that's why I really wanted to get you on because – I mean, man, your story is something special. So um, basically, just to kick it off, like your kids are living in Zimbabwe at the moment, in Africa? Yes, that's and correct, yeah. And you're in, um, in Queensland, yeah? Yeah, on the sunny coast. So what's the, um, what are the logistics there of trying to uh, have contact with your kids and everything when they're on the other side of the world? Yeah, well, look, you know, we were just sort of, talking a bit about how technology is this is beautiful gift we've been given. Sometimes I'm not a real fan of it. I don't like the disconnection, but without it right now, I wouldn't have any connection with my kids. So for me, my day, um, they're, they're eight hours behind. So they wake up to a video from their dad every day saying good morning, regardless of where I am or where they are. Um, and then I send little voice notes during the day using WhatsApp, etc. I try and liaise to get, you know, a little bit more depth, trying to discipline a four-year-old boy over a phone, as you can yep. imagine, is pretty much impossible. It doesn't work. If he doesn't like what I've got to say, he just throws the phone and runs off. Yep. My daughter, on the other hand, is a completely different kettle of fish. You know, I raised her pretty much. Um, so I've got that bond. She'll listen and, and learn. But it's one of those challenges that I learn every day. You know, yep. I, I don't know. I don't know the perfect routine or rhythm to what I'm doing here but one thing I maintain is that this about the effort I put in you know my ex may not do the things that I want and she may not come to the table in the way that I need but it doesn't matter I can still send that video every single day without fail I can still say good morning good night without fail that's me that's on me yep because you know I know and I hear a lot of dads especially when there's a split and there's a lot of finger pointing at what she's not doing and, and they're right she's probably not doing it but as a man, I have to own my part of that story and I've got to make that effort without fail because that's, that's, that's me. It's on me. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, from talking to you previously, you've told me, told me stories, uh, you know, about your, your, your situation and everything like that. 
And like you've gone to some massive lengths in order to just see your kids as well. But um, before we even touch on that, can you just sort of um, explain to, to, to me and the other guys listening, like how do you get separated from your kids, you know, um, you know, and be end- living on different sides of the world? All right. Well, well, this is an interesting question, as we, as we know. Um, let's try and put it short and sweet. And that, that is, I was in conservation in Africa. I'm an elephant and a predator expert. And uh, I've also got a big mouth. And uh, so I was a white foreigner in an African country. I made a lot of noise, but I kicked a lot of goals. And I did an incredible job there. But after a while, it wasn't paying the bills. It's a labour of love, not a labour of money. Uh, I need to make some money. So I did the next best stupid thing you can do as a white man in Africa, and that was I went farming. Yep. Uh, sadly, my reputation had followed me from the conservation, and again, I went to war with the politicians. I went to war with corruption, and I won. And um, But I didn't know when to stop. And the, the short part of that is African politics. You can wake up in the next day, and everything is the opposite to what it was the day before. And the people yep. that are upset that were low-level scum, really, were now high-level scum. And uh, they wanted me gone. And so they made it their mission to go after me. So a lot of guns being pointed, a lot of threats being made. Eventually they got me, threw me in prison, tried to force me to leave the country at that point. And I just, I wasn't going without my kids. So I went to prison the first time and I played the corruption game and bribed all and sundry within Zimbabwe, you know, immigration and the prison system to get bail, which shouldn't have been granted, but I managed to pay my way through, got bail Went to court for a year to fight the charges, which were fraud, immigration, and a whole bunch of counterfeiting charges and anything else they could make up. Um, and then as I was supposed to be sentenced and I bought my freedom, the day of sentencing, my lawyer, I found it double-crossed me. And so what happened was I went from going home to going down into the cells and back into prison again. Um, Far out. So realistically, like all the charges were unfounded, right? It was just because you were... Stepping on toes, you know, rubbing, ruffling feathers, not lining pockets, that sort of thing, right? Predominantly. Sadly, being a white man in Africa, especially a foreigner, there's an element there that I had stepped over a legal line, but every single foreigner in the country has got the exact same story. The sad reality is it's almost what they hold over you. They like to know they've got it. And this is where I said, and I'll say to people, I should have learned to shut up. Because I think if I'd learned to shut up, I'd won the war on the farm. And I think if I'd been a little quieter, I may not have raised enough flags where someone used that that legal sort of line that I'd crossed against me. Yep. Um, either way, there's not much I can do about it now. I got deported at gunpoint and, you know, came back here. And then as we, you know, I've uh, talked about before with other people, I didn't like being in Australia. I'd been out the country 15 years. So within six weeks, I found another job in Mozambique, which is on the eastern border of Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. I went back and then I jumped the border. So I crossed over an old cattle track in a place called Espungabera. It's old mm-hmm. smuggling part where I used to move a lot of diamonds and that using the Rhodesian bush war. And I spent Christmas last year with my kids, which was the most incredible feeling ever. But it was also the moment of awakening of if I get caught here at six to 12 years, I'm illegally yeah. here, you know. I'm I, well. I'm a white man in a population of 11 million. There's only 22,000. What you don't you don't hide very easily, especially covered in tats. You know yep. what I mean? And well known. And yeah, so the reality of it hit, and yeah, that was like I said, the moment of awakening. A lot of tears, a lot of hiding from my kids, just going, "What am I going to do? I can't leave them 
but knowing if I stayed, I wasn't going to do him any good rotten in the prison. Yeah, man, what a ballsy move. Ballsy move. And, I mean, I guess when, when you, you've got nothing on your mind but seeing your kids, nothing else really matters, does it? It's, you're willing to take that risk, but it's either spending a, a Christmas with your kids or, like you sp- said, spending another 6 to 12 in prison. And let's face it, I mean, I don't know people's understanding on Africa. I think everybody here in Australia is pretty, pretty sheltered. But, I mean, the prisons there, I mean, politically, it's, it's, it's a shit show. I mean, it's obviously beatings and torture and starving and they'll do absolutely anything they need to to keep their power over you, right? Yeah, that's exactly what they do. You know, I, I was lucky in that... Um, I'm, I'm going to say I'm not weak, but I'm obviously assertive enough that when I walked in there, I knew what I had to do to keep myself safe. But I'll tell you one of the things that still touches me as the core this day is the level of depravity humans will go to because, you know, the prison had been clean in 40 years probably since independence. People were living, you know, you're covered in lice constantly. You're lucky if you get a blanket. Uh, again, you know, being white got me in prison, but being white also made prison that little bit easier for me because I had the ability to bribe. So I could get mm-hmm. cigarettes smuggled in and I could use them. You know, the old TV shows see cigarettes as currency. Well, that doesn't matter where in prison in the world, you still use cigarettes as currency and an African guard will do a hell of a lot for a couple of smokes. So I was managed to, you know, smuggling a bit of fresh onion, some tomato. So after about three and a half days, I managed to get some food into me, which was yep. a pleasant change. But being the only white guy in that section, being surrounded by people from all over Africa, you know, you name the country Burundi, the Congo, South Africa, you know, Malawi, Zambia, Botswana, everything in language. Yep. It's just constant change of shift in language. Um, yeah, like I said, it was sad to see depravity. But there was also moments of the two guys I clicked up with, which is an Ethiopian, a South Sudanese guy, of incre- yep. incredible care and kindness. And it's just a bizarre irony in African prison. Yep. It stinks. It's noisy. It's hot, it's horrible, but then there's these moments in there which changed me for the better. Well, I mean, so, so to, to help other people sort of uh, understand, like, the real depth of what lifestyle is like in Africa, um, I think, would it be safe to say a, a movie like uh, Blood Diamond, where it's set in Sierra Leone, you know, uh, rebels running around everywhere, obviously the government, you know, ever all over the place. Like that's that wasn't just dramatic for the dramatics for the movie, was it? Like that's legit how shit goes down over there. Oh yeah, especially up north of Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe has it. It's not as isn't in the open. It's it's one of the calmer countries you'll find just purely because of the tribe that runs it. But that is how shit gets done. I mean, you know, overnight things can change. Like I said, you can be dealing with a politician and he's been in an area for ten years and he's gone. Where did he go? Well, you know, that's questionable. It's Africa. Um, so, yeah. yeah, that's exactly It's chaos. It's organised chaos and you get caught up in it. It becomes a rush to a certain degree, you know. Like until I came back here, I'd spent 10 years living it and I didn't think it was insane. I really, I enjoyed it, you know, like, you know, hyperinflation, you know, a dollar being worth a thousand within three hours and then going back and you get caught up in it, this buzz, like an adrenaline rush. Um but the truth is, once you get out of it, you look back, and this is why for me now getting my kids has become such a big war. I mean, it's, it's fired me up. It's absolutely crazy. 
The continent yeah. itself has its beauty in its rawness and its natural beauty to look at, but what is happening to the people over there and what they're doing to themselves is nothing short of insanity. Yeah, right. So how long have you been back in, back in Australia then? I flew back January of this year. Yeah, so I got back, I think it was about the 15th or the 18th of January this year. So I've been back long enough to know that life is really good here. Really yeah. incredibly good. Like I am I'm so grateful to be an Australian and so grateful and people might be shocked at this, at the, the way the system's set up to help me because I don't have family. So when I got here, I had a, car, I had a mattress on the floor and a, and a bit of money in my pocket and the yep. way I've been supported here, mate, you don't get this anywhere else in the world. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, we are the land of plenty, aren't we? We are. And I think a I lot of people that forget from first that. Experience. Oh, they do. I think we very quickly fall into that victim mentality of poor me. And I can tell you from experience that I've lived in that whole part of Southern Africa, Asia, Middle East. When they say the land of plenty, we really don't understand just how good we have it. So with, with all of this, like with, with your kids being in Zimbabwe, you're in Queensland, um, how do you deal with the lack of family presence as a dad? Like, cause you're obviously you're in a, in a fight at the moment to try and get your kids over here. Cause you're, you're trying to work out their citizenship and all that sort of thing. But of, obviously there's a big part missing there as well. I mean, so how does, how does that work for you, man? It's an interesting question. And it's probably the thing that I struggled with the most, you know, when I got back here, I was full of these ideas that, that my kids would be following me very quickly realized that wasn't going to happen. And it took me about five months of actually living a complete and utter lie. I was full of shit. I mean, honestly, I really thought I had it together. And what happened was I started to crumble. I mean, I was running outside, you know, living with this beautiful woman who's um, is nothing but more than a miracle to me. And I was hiding outside at night crying. You know, I'm not ashamed. I'm ashamed. I couldn't handle it. I was breaking apart internally. I couldn't, I couldn't find a solution. I've always been able to fix things, always. Yep. I couldn't fix this. So what happened was I had to break. I had to break. And eventually I broke and I broke really hard. And what I realized is, and as for, you know, to be a man is I, I've got accepted there's some sadness at the moment. There's no point fighting it. There's no point finding these emotions. And this is what we do as men. We tend to think that these emotions are weakness and that these emotions are bad. And so we put them away and we hide them from our mates and we hide them from the kids because it's weakness. What we're, real, what we're failing to realise is we're actually making the problem a lot worse because every time we suppress the reality of the situation, every time we suppress the sadness, it turns into anger. Yep. Now, anger projects outwards. And when we project oh, yeah, outwards, definitely. We, we demasculate ourselves. We're basically taking the power away from ourselves. Yep. Yeah. And I, so for look, me, I mean, sorry, go on. No, you're right. No, go, go. No, well, I was just, I had a bit of a situation like that myself, you know, like um, I'd end up, uh, I, I ended up living by myself for, I want to say three or four years before I met my partner. Um, but I have no, a bit like you, I've got no family nearby. Um, a bit better than you, like my closest family is about an hour and a half up north and maybe three hours down in Canberra. Um, but still, you end up in this little isolated bubble and when you're just internalising everything, it just, it's like a cauldron of bitterness and it just sits there and bubbles and simmers away to a point where it just starts overflowing, right? It starts making a mess all over the rest of your life. 
Um, you couldn't have said and, it better. And if it wasn't for the fact that I met my partner and the fact that she's so supportive and willing to sit down and listen to my issues that I'm working through, I've actually come out of it a better man. I'm, I'm, I'm working through it better. I think having that support network, that whether it's family, whether it's a, a partner, whether it's um, a drinking buddy down the pub, whatever it may be, if you can have that honesty and openness with somebody and be able to get that shit off your chest, that's when you realise that having those emotions and having that vulnerability really make you stronger. Help, mate, you, you really, that's one of the wisest things. You don't hear men say that very often and really that honesty there and talk about this a lot with people is this idea of honesty we think is about lying outwards but the biggest hurdle we especially men face is self-honesty is not really oh, yeah. what we're they're talking is this acknowledging and looking at ourselves and saying this is this is real i feel sad i feel angry i feel frustrated confused whatever it doesn't matter what the emotion is but i feel it yeah because yep. if you deny it you suppress it and when you suppress it like you said it, it turns into resentment you know, and, and what, what a resentment likes to do is instantly throw the finger out. It wants to point. It wants to always blame everyone else for the shit that's going on around us. And yep. when you do that, it is the weakest thing a man can do because you are basically taking your power as a man and you're throwing at these people. Yep. You're not, you will not win when we start blaming others. But when we no, can There's a lot of power in ownership. Yeah, ownership and feeling it. Men don't want to feel it. Eh? Men want to hide. And the reason for that is, is quite simple. Their dads did the same. You know, their dads knew no better you know, and their dads before them knew no better. And realistically, we've got to a point where we've got this beautiful connection via podcasts and the internet and all this information where as men, we don't have as an easy, an easy excuse anymore. It's time for us to start feeling this shit. It's, start, yep. it's the time for us to start being honest with each other, really finding this way to support because we don't want to repeat the sins of the father. We don't want to do it again. That's, that's exactly right. And, I mean, I've found, I found a, lot of, um, a lot of beauty in the, um, in the personal development scene, like with, with, with you and a couple of other guys that are, you know, life coaching and, and, and in the same game. Um, I've learned a lot, you know, and I think it's really – really good. This is the whole reason I did the, the podcast. I want to talk to guys like you, like Shane Pretner, uh, Reese Krensky, all these guys in the, the uh, self-development sector, because unless I feel like unless you're actually looking for a life coach or actually like making the effort to find people, you don't, you don't see it. Right. And ob obviously like there's mums groups and all this stuff for mums, but there's nothing substantially out there for dads and that so that was the whole idea behind putting this show together was so i can talk to other people and you know and and through doing this show i'm meeting amazing guys like you who actually have a story to share and it's not just old mate up the pub talking about how you know his missus left him 30 years ago and he's a bitter old man and nobody ever fucking loves him you know what i mean it's yeah. finding that positive and trying to to balance out the negative Mate, that's beautiful, and that's exa and exactly why why I love this and what we're doing right here. Because what we're also doing this thing, the coaching world's full of a lot of people that sound really clever. And what I started to realise as I watched it and was going to relaunch as a coach was that I want to help the bulk of men. I don't want to help the guys who like to talk about awareness. And as much as I use these words, I want the guy who's feeling alone. You know, and yep. that's 
70% of dads out there. I don't want to talk to 5%. I want to talk to the 70% who, who really in simple language want to hear that there's another guy that's feeling the same way and then it's safe for him to feel it. Yes. Because until we feel it as men, we can talk about it until ads fall off. Yeah. Until we feel it and until we're safe around someone else feeling it, it doesn't move. It stays in us. You know, it's what causes yep. cancers and sickness is when we refuse to feel and we suppress, that's what makes us sick. Yep. Yeah. And I know people, it's, it's, that's a bit of a new one for, for many people. Like, oh, that's bullshit. Mate, look at the medical industry in this country. We're feeding the doctors and we're feeding the pharmaceutical companies. And the truth is, you know, I've seen guys who've come in with huge issues and in three months completely eradicate all of that. Literally, we're just having the balls to feel things, do some work. Yep. Shift, shift yep. the perspective. Yeah. I, again, I, I think that's where ownership comes into it. You know, you've got to be able to own own those feelings. But like you said, there's there's sort of like that threshold to cross, almost like an enlightenment moment where, you know, you, know, um, you realise that you're able to actually own those emotions and everything that's going on with inside you. Yeah, and, that, and I think that comes from exactly what we're doing here. That enlightened moment for me, especially with men, women are very different. So we, we say they don't like to separate, but we do. We need to feel that moment of trust or something where we listen to another guy or watch another guy or we're sitting at a, a barbecue, as you guys like to call them here, um, yep. and you feel safe because men have to yep. keep their shoulders back and a front up and they have to pretend that it's all good and they're strong and there's no weakness runs in this family and I've got to make sure my boys don't see me cry and my daughter's got to make sure that I'm that big, tough guy so she looks for that big, tough guy. Um, but it's not actually the way it works. And this no, is why we I need this place like, of trust. Yeah, mateship has always kind of been somewhat superficial anyway. Yeah. You know, you went, you, you go out pig hunting or you have a, have a barbecue in the backyard or you're out fishing or whatever, it's always, you're only ever talking about surface shit. You're talking about how the Rabbitohs beat the Broncos on the weekend or you're talking about, you know, what's going on at work or you're talking about the problems that are happening in the car and you can't fix it and, hey, mate, like, what do you reckon? But there's no... And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that men need to sit down like women do and have a book club and all sit around with a glass of wine and just gossip because, I mean, there's there's a big difference between gossip and being open with your mates. But I do think that in, in today's day and age, we need to start sort of rekindling the mateship because that's sort of dropped off a bit. But we need to also get rid of the superficial side of it as well and try and open up the floodgates a bit and be, be fucking honest with your mates. Yeah, you're right, mate. We, we, we live in a selfish society now. We've sort of become very disconnected and it's getting harder with devices and TVs. We spend a lot of time not connecting. And I think that selfishness has completely sort of torn us apart from this idea of loyalty, you know. And like you said, the surface stuff is exactly right. When was the last time you heard a guy or had a mate come to you and say, you know what, I had a fight with the missus last night? And it really fucking hurt. You know what I mean? Yet that right. is the truth happening in every single household and every single night all the way through here. Or you know what? Me, me little guy came home last night and he said some stuff and I don't know what to do. You know what I mean? Or yeah. I've seen my, my daughter's hitting her teen years and she's like, that, we don't see that. And we don't. And that, on the alternate side is we don't, you don't see guys going, mate, I saw how you handled your lighty at the footy yesterday. 
You know what I mean? We don't see those yeah. compliments. We don't see this from men. We're so scared to feel these things. And again, it, it is because we're following the footsteps of our fathers. They did the best they could. It's not their fault, but it's now time. We chose to start pushing the boundaries a bit, you know, yep. start trying to find those mates that you're right. Don't just evolve around the shallow side. And the beautiful thing is goes back to what we first started talking about. Look at what we got right here. We got the internet. Yep. People can get, connect with us anywhere in the country. We're opening doors for guys to go, you know what? I need to feel this because the anger is getting worse. You know, I threw a can at the missus last night or I did, you know what I mean? I did something that yeah. I really, that's not who I fucking am. And I'm not going to be that unless we give an avenue. People think the only choices go see a psych or a shrink. And I, with all due respect, if there's anyone who's psych or a shrink, they, they tend to reinforce the negatives in the story. Yeah. You know, the work that men need to do requires action. It requires yeah. us to move. We're men. There's a huge amount of energy and we need to move. And, you know, I think this talking and giving this place a trust and opening these doors is the first first step. Yeah, and I agree with you there because I mean I've seen a psychologist myself, you know, and it's sort of you don't you don't get to the the shit, you know, like you, you end up just sort of scraping the layer off the top, mm. and then when you go see, you know, say you uh, have to see another psych, well then you haven't just you're not talk, not working through anything, you're just rehashing that top layer over and over and over. And I've actually found that that as as helpful as it was to try and work out my thoughts, I found that there's much more in talking with people. And I mean, there have been times I've been on the fucking phone crying, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, I I end up talking, get off the chest of my chest and I feel better about it. And I feel like I, I, I achieve more by talking with with friends and family and working through shit that way than I did lining some other bloke's pockets to sit there with a notepad and hum and ha the whole fucking time. Oh, so yeah, how does exactly. that make you feel? Mm. You know? Yeah, yeah, they're not getting into it. And the thing is they don't ask you to do anything. And, you know, the thing with men is it requires we're, we're a being of we're action. We're about action. We're warriors at heart, you know, whether we speak differently and wear nice clothes now, we're still warriors and it requires action from us. We really need to get up and do something and someone yep. listening to you repeat the same story again and again doesn't do anything to help you because it's that story that's actually crippling you. What we need yeah. to do is find the parts of the story that you don't like, the parts where you start blaming others, the parts where you're uncomfortable and that's where you start digging in. You know, it's, it's a bit like Chinese water torture or the bamboo under the fingernail. When it oh. hurts, that's where you're supposed to go. And, and yeah. sykes and shrink, they don't, they don't want to touch that stuff because you're upset. Well, I hate to tell you, as men, when we're uncomfortable, that's when the warrior comes up. Eh? You know, when, we, when there's resistance and we fight it, that's when that true power from us, that's where it comes because it pushes yep. through. But when, when it's easy, when it's easy to point outwards and when it's easy to sort of blame, we don't grow. We get stuck. We get selfish. That's right. Well, growth really only comes through adversity and adversity That's comes right. when the tough gets uh, going gets tough, you know, like you just got to push through it. And I know it's fucking hard for a lot of people, but it's just the fact of the matter. Like you're not going to grow if you just take the easy way out. You're always going to yeah. take the path of less re- least resistance. Yeah, that's exactly right. And we're faced constantly, almost every day, with an easy and a hard choice. And and we've just got to a point in society with life is a little too easy. And so we just keep taking the easy. We keep taking the easy. And, again, it's not a question of blame or telling people they're doing it the wrong. It's a question yep. of opening their eyes to the fact that there is another choice. 
You don't have to keep going that way. And it really takes you waking up one single day and choosing, no, I'm not fucking going the easy way today. I'm going to have a look at what's down that harder road for a bit because in that harder road, that's where the best version of you lives. And I know it's painful and I know there's some shitty decisions that will need to be made, but that's that's where you belong. And it's also where you're going to teach your kids to be, you know. And this is the thing as fathers is we're that shining example. We're the hero. Now, if we don't play that hero role, we've had our early years in our lives and now we're going to man up. We're the hero. We need to be that hero, which means, look, we'll fall and we'll falter and one of our mates might pick us up or even the missus might. But we get up and we do not stop. Yeah, Every single day is just a, a one choice away from a better version of us. And we just keep going. That's, we are the spine, you know, we are what keeps supposed to keep things stable. Well, okay. Well, this is how I could bring this through to another talking point that I've got here. Cause, um, you know, like, uh, something you brought up, uh, a couple of weeks ago while we're just getting prepared for, for this, um, you, you mentioned, uh, well, you talked about fixing old mistakes and learning as a dad, so to bring all this full circle, you know, obviously you made, made mistakes in, in Africa and the consequences of that being that now you don't have your kids with you. Um, what did you sort of learn from, from all of that and how, or, I mean, how can somebody sort of learn from their mistakes and, 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 and fix those mistakes and be a better dad? You know, the, the first, the, the easy answer to that is in the self-honesty again. If we're too busy denying things that happen, then we can't accept them for what they are, yeah. you know, and it really, you've said it, is that we can say accountability, we can take ownership. There's a whole bunch of words we can use, but if we're not prepared to own our role in a situation, we can't ever truly move past or through it. So yep. that is the simple, is look at something. There will always, every single time, be a lesson and there will be a positive. Now, I can say that because I did two stints in an African prison. I can say that because I was deported at gunpoint. I can say that because I had the shit beat out me by a guy. I can say that and honestly tell you that that is the truth. There was a yep. lesson and there is a positive. The truth is I wouldn't be sitting here right now doing this with you, which means I wouldn't, serve, I wouldn't be serving and helping others. I'd be still sitting back there doing what I did and I'd be with my kids. Yes, I wouldn't take away that but I wouldn't be doing this greater purpose I've got. And that is to start helping men find themselves and, and move through these challenges. I wouldn't have this beautiful partner here. I've got a baby due in April at the age of 47. Oh, you know, congratulations, man. Yeah, there's another positive. I mean, I could spin positives off this. And am I sad I don't have my kids? Yes. But do I focus on that or do I focus that energy on rebuilding? So I can yep. bitch and moan and I can stay in my story and I can complain about it and I got sick and I feel sick and I, I don't have enough money and I've got no money. Or I can go, hang on, what the money I've got is enough right now and I'll, I will make more. I will. Yeah. I will make more. You know, am I sick? What am I do to fix it? Change my diet? You know what I mean? It really brings yep. you back to being the ruler of your kingdom. I am responsible yeah, for sure. ultimately. Well, that's one thing that stood out to me, what you said earlier as well, was that, you know, you said that, you you were sent to prison because you were too you know you were you were rocking the boat you were ruffling the feathers you know you were had a big mouth I think your words were yeah but in reality for you it'd be really easy for you to sit there and blame the Zimbabwean government you'd be able to 
point the fingers at the prisons. You'd be able to, or the, or the guards or whatever, oh, it's all their fault that I'm in this situation. It's really no. easy to point the finger. And I mean, and it, all people. When you're in it, yeah, when you're in it, that's what you do. Like, you know, when you're first in there, you look around you, especially when you see what's going on. But then, you know, after the probably first four days of first prison stint, you start to realise that they're only doing what they're programmed to do. Now, is yeah. it right? No. But if you spend your time hating the world and staying angry, and this comes from that suppressing sadness and all this other stuff, yep. you're destroying your own life. And when you destroy your own life, and especially as a dad, what you're doing is dooming the potential for your own kids because kids will not do as you say. They will do as you do. And it really, yeah. for all of the cliches and all the stuff we talk about, if you can remember that one simple phrase as a father, as any parent, mum, dad, anyone, you can tell them what to do until you explode. They ain't going to do it. They're going to follow you. Yep. So for me, it really was simple. Even though my kids aren't here, I've got a stepson now. I live by that. So with what you're doing now that you're in Australia, you've, um, you've actually set up Catalyst, uh, Catalyst, is it Catalyst uh, Coaching Australia? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, Sorry, that's trying one to wrap businesses. my tongue around it. <laughs> that's so, all I right. mean, what do you what do you do um, as part of that? Trying to help other guys and, and all that sort of thing. Yeah, well, what's look, your mission? I did some. Yeah, well, my mission is it sounds quite simple. Is to serve, is to look after and teach people and support the way I I seem to have had that support through my journey. There was always someone there just when I needed it most, whether it was in prison, whether it was in between when I was going to court. There were always these you know angels for want of a better word. People were always there just to give me that nudge. Sometimes they were nudging me into the hard stuff, though. Not, they weren't yeah. always the people who grabbed you up. But some of the people kicking you in the ass. Sometimes it was the time when something was taken away from you, but they were all part of that momentum going through that journey. Um, so for me, it's to, it's to serve and help others. It's to support men, support dads especially if I can, but also yeah. young men, help them avoid. I mean, we've touched on the last two and a half years of my life. There's a ton of stuff prior that I'd That's love right. to help young people with because my, my idea is that we can stop a generation having to live through the shit some of us have gotten through. You know, ours yeah. in our 30s and 40s, I'd like to sort of arrest it at teenage years and help yep. these youngsters not have to do all this shit. You know, we as dads or as pillars of a community, whatever you want to call it, if we do this work now, we actually offer the opportunity for these new, these new generation, these young men, to not have to do it. So, you know, I coach people one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, I do group coaching. I do couples coaching. I'm doing retreats. So, you know, I'm doing uh, men's retreats. I did one in Darwin. I've got two coming up in March this year. These will be solo men's retreats, but I'm going to do dad, um, father and son retreats. Yep. You know, my, my aim now, 47 years and my existence on this planet has come to a focal point where I'm here to share all of it and help people yeah. be the best version of themselves. I want to offer that support and that place of trust where they can say, you know what, mate, I need to talk about how I feel, Aaron, because it's fucking killing me and I'm tired of it. Yeah, that's right. Well, if, if guys are in this position, man, where can they find you? How can they find you? Probably best way or the easiest way in this modern world is via Facebook. So you can look up Aaron Young on social media. Um, yep. You could also reach me on email, which is digitalcatalyst at protonmail.com, uh, Instagram, Catalyst Coaching Australia. Uh, if they need to via this via podcast, leave a message and get hold of us and I can get in touch with them. You know, any which way, find me because, you yep. know, I, I'm here to serve. 
Yep. Well, I mean, if any, anybody's listening to this on Anchor, they're actually able to leave a voice message for for me. Um, if they want to, if they can't find you and they want want to get in contact with you through me, they can also email the podcast at not so secret dad's business at gmail.com. So either way, um, anybody wants to talk, whether they find you directly or they come come to me, like I'll, I'll handball them straight to you anyway, man. Oh, mate, I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, look, thank you very much for coming on, on the show today. I really appreciate it. Um, like, obviously, like you said, there's, you've got another 45 years of life experience that we could unpack. So, um, you know, I'd love to get back on the show again sometime and, and unpack some of that other stuff as well. So, Mate, yeah, thank I really, you. I really like, appreciate really. it, man. And I appreciate the opportunity to talk. You know, I came back here not really knowing what I was going to do. You know, when I started sending my CV out trying to find work and it had Elephant Tracker and a Hunter, you know, Mozambique, and no one wanted to touch you. No one to. Like the truth is I can't get a job packing shells because of my CV. And that was a positive because look where it's got me. And so for me to be able to do this and be able to speak to guys like you and understand that there's a network of people out there trying really hard to give men an opportunity, yeah. I, it, hum- it humbles me and I'm really grateful because if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be able to share this today. And to me, it matters. Matters a lot, yep. and it matters to me, man. I think I think a lot of dads can take take a lot from what you've had to share, you know. And like I said at the beginning of the show, um, you know, a lot of dads probably won't understand personally, obviously, because like being in Australia, Africa is just this mystery wonderland over there, you know. And we just think, you know, children with swollen bellies and all that sort of shit that you see on World Vision and all that. So I thought it would be really cool to talk to you and sort of try and lift the veil on that as well and and all of that. So, yeah, thanks again for coming on, man, because it's, it's been enlightening. No, thanks, mate. I, again, I'm grateful and I can't wait to come back because there's a ton of stuff there. You know, we can go to the hunting, which I know, guys, we go into tons of stuff. So I, I love it and I love the opportunity to be able to do it. So thank you. Good stuff, man. All right. Well, have a good one, bro. You too. All right. Catch you, mate. Thanks for listening to Not So Secret Dad's Business. If you have a topic you'd like covered or you just want to reach out to us, you can email us at notsosecretdadsbusiness at gmail.com or leave us a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash notsosecretdadsbusiness. If you want to follow us on social media, you can also follow us on Instagram at notsosecretdadsbusiness or on Facebook as well.